Hi, I'm Angela Ardolino and welcome to Your Natural Dog, my podcast featuring in-depth conversation with the world's leading holistic veterinarians and pet care pros. Join us every week as we reveal natural alternatives to the outdated, one-size-fits-all pet care model we're used to. If you like what you hear, please make sure to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. The only way we can get our message out to pet parents all over the world is with your support. Stop barking! I'm trying to record a podcast! Hey everybody, your natural dog with Angela Ardolino and my guest today is Amanda C. She is an Ayurvedic practitioner for animals. She practiced under Deepak Chopra for years and is just such a joy to talk to and learn how Ayurvedic, Ayurvedic principles apply to our pets, um, the doshas, the different personalities, how it can help us understand, um, maybe relax and learn to meditate with our pets. Anyway, join us for this awesome conversation. And we're back with Amanda Ree, and I'm so excited to talk to you because A, I'm a huge fan of uh, Deepak Chopra, who you worked with, and I love everything about Ayurveda and Ayurvedic medicine. It is probably what I'm most familiar with, like Chinese, not really at all. And anything I do understand, it's because of what I've learned through Ayurvedic. So when I found you, I was like, yes, perfect marriage of my dog's health and well-being. I'm a a big fan of adaptogens and everything I learned about adaptogens was from Ayurvedic medicine because they use them in combination and understand the synergy. I mean, just probably better than anyone. Maybe I'm speaking out of line, but I feel like that it always made sense. I just related to it. But I want you to tell people, how are you using Ayurveda with pets Is it the same type of thing? Do they have the same chakras and doshas as we do? And how do they benefit from it? I guess I want to know how in the heck did you marry the two? Did you learn all about it and then go, why isn't anybody doing this with pets? Yeah, that's actually very much how that happened. I'm surprised that you know more about Ayurveda than traditional Chinese medicine or other modalities because most people don't. Because of Deepak. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Did you read his books and like Perfect Health and things like that? I met him when I was 25 years old and he had just uh, released his book and I bought a book for me and my mom and my sister and everybody had them all sign it. I still have the book. It made it on the RV when I moved. Oh, that's great. Um, Yeah, he he changed my life. You know, I absolutely changed my life. So it just made perfect sense to me. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no, no problem. I love it. And I'd love to hear how you came to it. It, He absolutely has changed my life too. Um, I began into the field of yoga first, just falling in love with yoga after, you know, only sampling it in the class, you know, what we now know as asana, the postures on the mat. That was where I began, as many do. And then deciding that I was going to go off to an ashram, which actually is near where I live now in Northern California. So that's one of the reasons I'd come to this area. The Shivananda tradition is uh, here, one of their ashrams. So I came Mm -hmm. off to to the ashram. It was a total eye-opening, a little 
very far out of my box experience, actually. <laughs> it's really yeah. traditional school. So there was lots of chanting and, um, you know, the food and the lifestyle and the long meditations and the breathing practices, the pranayama and tons of, of devotion. And that was something that I hadn't experienced before. And so I fell in love with it and knew that it would change my life. So I really dove into that world of of yoga, meditation, and Ayurveda. I had never heard the word Ayurveda, which a lot of people don't even know how to say it. So I like to always share I, your Veda. So I, your Veda. Yep. So I'd never heard that word. I didn't know about the science at all until then. And like you, my eyes were opened to it and it the most natural of the healing sciences. And so, and it just aligns with nature, it aligns with the five elements. So it's quite logical and intuitive, actually. It's like a healing science that we all already know. <laughs> and then we yeah. just learn names uh, and labels to put on it. And so, yeah, I fell in love with that and eventually ended up working with Deepak, living in San Diego at that time, hearing that the Chopra Center was nearby and manifesting the dream job. And then um, started running the events with Deepak for about 15 years. I was there and did all of the teacher trainings and uh, the advanced teacher trainings and then learned from, of course, all the amazing luminaries that come through the doors and came through the courses. You know, we did courses and everything from natural healing to emotional healing to spiritual connection and silent retreats and all kinds of things in between. And the Chopra Center's not around anymore, right? Because I always wanted to go and didn't. And I remember looking it up going, okay, well, next time I get over to California, I'm going to go. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's not there anymore. Yep. It uh, was a special time. Yes, it was. I did go to the one when they opened one in New York City in uh -huh. a hotel. I went to that one. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I got the, to dream, that. the dream hotel it was called. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at least I got to experience that one. Great. Yeah. And Deepak's still touring, of course. He's doing yeah. lectures and, you know, part of different summits and things like that. And um, But yeah, the actual Chopra Center is no longer. The events pretty much are no longer as well. And so, yeah, it was it was the best time to be there. And, you know, we grew so much as a organization and I as an individual and us as a team. So I hosted and facilitated and emceed and taught and guided um, the events for all those years. And it was incredible. It was um, eye-opening. And so you learn to see the world, I always call it, through Ayurvedic goggles. So as I was looking at the world through these goggles, looking at everything from everyone you know, to the music you listen to, the food you eat, you know, the different environments, even the color you're going to choose for your iPad case, all of a sudden I'm like, got my Ayurvedic perspective on all the time. And um, I started um, fostering dogs at that time. I, so you might know my story, but I'm not sure if our listeners do, that I was my, my life was saved by a dog when I was three years old. I fell in the pool in the backyard in LA when we were living there. And our Sheltie, who's not you know known for swimming or rescuing necessarily, um, he jumped in and saved me. And awesome. so we just, dogs and I have always had like a really deep soul bond so I'd always been very close with them. My, I grew up working at my parents' pet store in Lake Tahoe. Aww. So I, yeah, so I always just, they were my best friends, you know. In my so you're literally life. like merging your two loves and passions. Exactly. That's what oh, happened. Beautiful. So I started fostering dogs in San Diego. And as I would be 
taking care of them, especially in the beginning, you know, as I got into it, I was able to get dogs that had more and more medical need and more behavioral need. And especially when I got into that work, I thought, okay, well, I can use the recommendations and I will, I'll stay the path. But I wonder if some of the other techniques and kind of philosophy of healing that I know would apply. So I started applying it and lo and behold, it was absolutely profound the way that it took root and that the animals accepted it and how quickly the transformation was there because again, it's nature science, nature and of all animals. So then I, like many of us, probably like you too, just Googled Ayurveda for animals, Ayurveda for dogs, and I found nothing. So I said, well, someone's got to do this and put this out into the world. And so was born Sama Dog. And that was like seven years ago now. Oh, I love it. So what were some of the first um, principles you started to applying that you really saw dogs reacting to? Like meditation. I mean, can dogs do yoga? And how do you figure out their doshas? Yeah, yeah. I think the first one that I really saw the most profound change with was my own dog, Maya. At the time, she passed away about three years ago. But Mm -hmm. Maya was a very... um, a dog that came from a very difficult background, you know, a lot of neglect. I remember when we first met her, she was shaved down to like literally the skin, not even like a short haircut because she was that matted. She was one of those dogs where they shave off the whole coat Mm -hmm. and it's just like this big thick. Um, So she, it was the middle of summer when we met her and she had a Christmas sweater on. It was the cutest thing. And (laughs) so that stood out in my mind always. So Maya had always, I guess she grew up in a house where there was like all these other dogs and the person would just throw down some food and they would all fight over the food and just um, had a lot of triggers and phobias and fears and tons of anxiety. It's constantly chewing on her nails and her feet, had a lot of digestive issues. So I had, of course, taken her to the vet many times and been working with the more conventional therapies. And when I would be, this was kind of the moment that was eye-opening for me. When I would be around Maya, I would get, agitated and irritated because of her agitation and irritation. And what I noticed was also we reflect what is around us. And that is a key principle of Ayurveda is bringing in the opposite principle, uh, the opposite energies. So if someone like Maya is very light and nervous and dry and anxious and airy, that's vata in the doshas, the mind-body types, you bring in the earthy principles, you bring in the groundedness, you bring in the moisture and the solidity, and there you meet in the middle for harmony, which by the way is what Sama is, equanimity and and, um, balance is what Sama means like this ultimate balance. And so, yeah, I was noticing how triggered I was by Maya. And then I was just like, okay, if I can calm myself down around her, maybe she'll calm down too. And that's when I started meditating and noticing the way that she was really drawn to that. Even just three deep breaths, I would notice that she would come closer and then she would take a big deep sigh. And I thought that was so interesting. I want everyone to try that because it's so true. Like just, you go lay down, go lay down in the yard and just start taking deep breaths. And your dogs, your cat, whatever, your chickens are going to come over to you and be with you. I love that. It's so true. They will. They're just sigh right back. You know, just like a yawn. It's like we say it's cont- contagious, right? The the sighing, the breathing, the deep breathing, then everything that's attached to the deep breathing, like the calming of the nervous system, the regulating of the whole, you know, the stress hormone levels, the, that all comes t- into us and into our animals as well. And 
I think any of us that have meditated know that it can happen pretty quickly. And that's us humans, you know, that oftentimes our mind is the biggest barrier. I can't meditate. My mind won't be quiet. I'm not cut out for this, having all these perceptions where animals don't think that way. They just know it feels good. And so they're like, okay, I'm in. So is that how you meditate with your animal or meditate with your dog as you go into it with them? Yep, absolutely. On my site, um, there's an application, a meditation app called Round Glass. And on slamadog.com, I have the link to a whole page of meditations with your pets. And they're like super high, highly produced. We had like all kinds of people on the back end. Oh, I know. Some of my listeners are going to love that. Oh, they're going to love that. Lovely. Yeah, they have music set to them. And I do a little lesson, a little short lesson, and then we meditate together. So that can be really enjoyable. But yeah, you just meditate yourself and they are very drawn to it. They, in fact, love it because not only are they feeling the benefit, but they're, we all know how connected our animals are to us and how perceptive they are of how we're feeling and doing. So when we're in a calm space, we're grounded, we're healing, they, desire that for us. And it's very comforting to them to know that that's what's going on with you. So I was going to say, what did you see with Maya? What did, how did you see her behavior change? I think the first thing I noticed was she actually sat still while we would meditate and she was never still. She would also be less reactive. Like she was the type of dog where if she heard a car door close or someone's keys jingle or a dog collar walking down the you know, street in front of us, she's up, up immediately and barking at the door or whatnot. And she would let distraction go by. So then after I realized the impact of just simply sitting with her and being relaxed with her, I thought, okay, let's try some of the other things. I then began to move it into other parts. So you could say like meditation is working with the mind, certainly the spirit as well, but with the mind. So I thought, okay, let's, it's a mind-body healing science. So let's try on the other side of things, the body side. So then I started adding what you do with vata dosha. That's the mind-body type that's air and space. So you want to, as I mentioned, ground them, bring them down to earth, create more comfort and stability. So I started just simply adding warm, moist, oily foods. So, so you knew that she was that dosha? And how yes. did you know, how did you figure out that she was that dosha? Because of her personality? Yeah, because of the symptoms that I was seeing and the just the behaviors. You know, again, with the Ayurvedic goggles, you start to see everything through those three doshas. But if someone doesn't have a lot of experience or know the doshas at all, I have a dosha quiz on samadog.com right there on the homepage. And cool. you can go through, it's like, 15 questions and then it tells you if what your animal is predominantly we are all all three of the doshas because we all are made up of all the elements however at certain times we have a natural disposition that is a dosha combination and then the life happens and things influence us and we can get an imbalance so maya was predominantly vata um, again, air principle. And I feel like I could right now say, um, okay, audience, raise your hand if she sounds like she's talking about your dog or one of your dogs, because I've got a Maza who sounds uh, just like your dog. Yeah, yeah. And and then they have, you know, d- different times in life that they're influenced. And so she she's Vata with a Vata imbalance, as you call it in Ayurveda. And so when I saw that she already w- had a nervous disposition, she already was very skinny, Rayleigh, you know, that may be Mm -hmm. some of our audience noticing that in their dogs as well. 
mm-hmm. fidgety, as I mentioned, always moving. Like even in the night, always. she'd sleep in like six different spots, you know, <laughs> versus just like the, the, the earthier dogs that just conk out and they stay in that same position right, all night. Right. People might also start to see this in their family members. <laughs> it's exactly. one of the fun aspects of learning Ayurveda even in the lens of animals, you start to be able to apply it to the humans and everyone else in your life. Anyway, she had this uh, natural disposition towards that nervous, skinny, squirrely, ungrounded, anxious, riddled energy. But then because of her background, she was still pretty new to us um, in her in our you know, life together. And so I think that imbalance was there still so strongly. So I just knew like that's the place to start. And it's worth saying that if you do notice that in your animal, Vata is, they call it the king of the doshas. So it's the one that throws all the other doshas out or throws the other doshas in. So it is a good starting place for all of us, human or any, you know, other than human animals we tend to get imbalanced and nervous and ungrounded in this pretty hectic world. So I think most of us do tend towards vata imbalance, even if that's not our natural disposition. It's pretty easy to have that come up. Got it. So what'd you do with her? You grounded her. So I grounded her. <laughs> You're grounded. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, for your own good. <laughs> <laughs> if you're like us, your pets are part of the family. That's why at CBD Dog Health, we created a line of human-grade, full-spectrum hemp products tailored specifically to your furry friend's needs. Whether they're suffering from fear of fireworks, arthritis from old age, or even seizures and cancer, research shows that a high-quality CBD oil can make a big difference for them. Enter coupon code RADIO at CBDDogHealth.com for 15% off your first order. That's R-A-D-I-O. CBD Dog Health, healing naturally. You know, even like one example of, you got the mental side and the physical side, right? Another example, in addition to meditation for the mental side, is a grounding position or space. So something I'll very commonly recommend for people dealing with a vata imbalanced dog is a crate, you know, and we all know, I think on many lists, oh, so there's lots of misunderstandings about crates. Oh no, Maza cannot be without her crate. Yeah. It's and, place. Yeah. And there's plenty of people though, right? That I'll tell, I'll be working with my clients and they'll say, oh no, I'm not going to put my dog in a cage. It's like the word cage is a negative. So I call it their house. They all know, get in your house. Mm-hmm. And the Go door can, yeah, the door can stay open forever. You can take the door off for yep. all I care, you know, but especially for a Vata animal, they love to have a space to call home. They love to have a place that they know is their own and that they are protected and safe. I mean, remember, dogs are cave-dwelling animals. And so, den, den animals. And so, not so much caves, but dens. Um, so, if we have a crate or any sort of, you know, area that they have um, enclosure, even putting a little sheet over the top, Again, leave the whole front open. That can be one of the best things for a Vata animal because they'll go in there when they do feel a little insecure or unsure or just want to take a peaceful nap and know that nothing's going to come at them. You know, they're always a little bit on edge. So that can help a lot. And so I did that with Maya uh, right away, got her her own little crate and made it nice and warm and fuzzy and cozy and you know, comforting for her. Um, use some aromas, like grounding aromas at that place, in that space as well. 
I work a lot with flower essences, so I use some of those. Mm-hmm. Um, also for grounding, relaxation. You know, you can use, again, for the mind, music. That's another big influence, even though dogs might not notice exactly what type of music that is. Anything that makes us feel like, ah, uh, that's good. You know, at least most of us. Some people relax to hard, heavy metal or something, but most of us. Some I think that's just like releasing <laughs> frustration or something. But yes, yeah. I find that too with the dogs. They like whatever that, that relaxing music or frequencies that relax us. Yeah. What you'd hear if you were getting a spa treatment, you know, you were meditating, you know, YouTube meditation music, all that music is going to be very relaxing for animals too. So I would play that music for her. And then the flip side, not so much the flip side, but the the complementary side is the physical. And the physical, the easiest way, Ayurveda teaches us that the ways to access the physical are the food and touch kind of just a cool thing about Ayurveda, like from the neck up are the senses that balance the mind. So the sense of taste, smell, and sight and and hearing. Taste helps both the mind and the body. So then the neck down, taste also a little bit, of course, and then touch, taste because of the whole digestive system being in the torso and then the sense of touch. So you can work with those different senses depending on what you're aiming to balance in your animal. So on that physical side, I did a lot of massage and just like petting and cuddling, you know, not like in a way that was creating insecurity because sometimes a lot of physical touch can create an animal to be um, insecure when they're not being touched. So I wanted her to be independent enough, but also like get in her body. So I worked with just very basic. You don't even need to really know any techniques. They're not going to judge like you would if you were going off to Miraval or some, right. you know, lovely <laughs> spa. Like, wait, it's not quite balanced on the right and the left. Dogs don't care. You can just give them a little massage in their paws, behind their ears, down the neck, long strokes down the body. So I would do a lot of that sort of work to kind of just get her in her physical form. And then food, you know, and the food, the technique of balancing vata, the balancing that airiness is warm, moist, and oily, as I mentioned earlier. So literally just warm, purified, clean water on her food, oils, and then grounded, grounding foods that would help to create more hydration and stability. So there's a lot more, of course, to get into details of foods, but um, even warming foods, you know, traditional Chinese medicine talks about cooling foods, neutral and warming. So choosing warming foods can be very helpful as well. Very cool. I love it. And that's about what I know about Chinese medicine is the most is the warming and the cooling of the herbs and food. And that's about it that I know on that knowledge. But that's um, great. That's right. No, that's it's huge. very, it's, it is. It's so, yeah. I and it's funny because I remember learning it and then changing my life and making so much sense of why a dog was behaving a certain way after they got fed a chicken or beef or lamb or something like that. So yeah, I've, I've seen it over and over again. So what, what kind of things changed in her behavior? Like, did she become a different dog? Did she become calmer? Absolutely. She, one of the more most immediate things I noticed is much less reactivity and fidgetiness. She was always plucking the hairs off of her belly. So her literally when we first got her, as I said, she was hairless, but even when she grew some hair, she was always plucking all the hairs off of her stomach. 
little by little. It just like it was a nervous thing, almost like uh-huh. people who will pull right. on their hairs, you know, or chew their fingernails or whatever. Right. So her hair on her belly started growing back. She started being much less barky. Vata people love to talk out of balance, too much talking. A vata imbalanced person is the kind of person that you're on the phone with and you can like put the phone down and go grab something to drink and come back and they didn't even notice that you were gone. <laughs> That's a vata imbalance. And so dogs in vata imbalance will be very yippy and whiny. That was another thing actually that I, now that I talk about it again, it's, um, she was always like, there was this subtle whine all the time, especially when she was chewing on her feet just this little whine. So that went away. And then, and that was really within like three days of starting to apply the techniques. And then I'd say within two to three weeks, I definitely noticed weight gain for the first time. And I had done all the other things as far as, you know, higher caloric food and healthy fats and, you know, all the typical guidance that we'll get. But it was because we were balancing her overall that her body was finally able to hold on to the calories that she was absorbing. And in general, now Maya always was very strange around food her whole life up until the end because of that initial conditioning. However, she was one of those dogs that was very hard to get to eat. And that's a common symptom of vata imbalance, something that I deal with a lot with my clients is my dog just won't eat consistently. And then they've got the 20 different dog foods on the shelf in their house and they're trying to rotate them and it's never really nothing going to, to do work. With it. right, it's right. nothing to do with it. That's never going to work. They might get interested for a day or two, but there's a deeper imbalance. So once we create that balance on the inside, now they are hungry, their appetite is consistent and they do want to eat. And then you can find a formulation or kind of a recipe that works for them. And she started eating really regularly and without like all the conditions of needing to like put her in a room all by herself over in a corner with a certain dish at a certain time and certain music. It was like we'd have this whole routine to get her to consume some food. And that became much less within the next few weeks. And then, like I said, she started to gain some weight. And something that really stood out with Maya too was she and I grew a deeper relationship. Because at that time, I'm Vata and Pitta, pretty balanced. Um, Pitta being the fiery dosha fire and water. So what I noticed in Maya was we would trigger each other. That airiness, that ungroundedness would create excess for both of us. And that whining, I would like, it was like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. I just couldn't take it sometimes. And I wouldn't want to, you know, yell at her or something because that would just scare her. So I would just go in the other room. So we would physically create distance from each other all the time. So once she was more grounded and in her body and more stabilized, I was able to be around her more. And I was also inspired to take those same steps for myself, knowing that I wasn't helping and I knew the tools to do. I just wasn't doing them. And to see them reflected in my animal, I think for many of us, inspires us to take care of ourselves even better because we see what we're not what we're doing. I know it's not on purpose, but what we may be reflecting to the animals that we love so much. So I said, all right, this is this is a worthwhile cause for both of us. And so as she grounded, I grounded, and our relationship was much closer after that. And that was a really beautiful part of it. And I'd say probably, you know, when it touches the heart so deeply like that, that's what really inspired me. Like, this is not just my story. So many animals have the same situation. You are talking about my Maza, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is so nuts. And it's 
it's funny because she was a rescue that like she was rescued from Bosnia. They rescued her from Bosnia, brought her back. They lived on 10 acres, you know, took her some time for adjustment, but then happiest dog in the world. Then they moved to a tiny little house in a tiny little yard and then had a baby Mm. and decided she was too crazy. So then I get her. And like everything is pretty good. Realized the crate, the food aggression, the everything that you describe is so her. Everything's been going good, but now I've moved. Mm-hmm. And now we live in an RV and are traveling. So it's kind of like repeating the whole thing and watching her go find her safe place, you know, which is usually on the side of the of the bed. If we go rent a house, same thing. She goes, finds the room we're going to sleep in. And then the side of the bed by the wall is where she's always going to be found kind of thing. But it's so true. And it's kind of like I have to repeat everything now because we've disrupted her what's normal in her routine. And guess what? We were able to do it out in the woods, just sitting out in the woods. She was so calm. Oh, that whole know. reactive bark just because you heard something. I mean, people and dogs could walk by us and there was no reaction. So it's like, I want people to try it out because everything that you're saying is so true and I've applied and sometimes we have to reapply. Um, so thank you for sharing that story because it is, uh, it's so true. How in the heck do you share this knowledge with veterinarians? I mean, I know it can't be easy because of course they're not taught anything about this. They're not even told that this even exist. So like when you come along and go, yeah, meditate with your dog. <laughs> what do you, I'm sure you get the holistics who are like, oh, great. Yes. I want to learn more, but you must get some resistance. Oh yes. There's some resistance. Luckily now more than ever, it's accepted. Maybe not Ayurveda specifically because they don't know what you're talking about, but right. like a mind body connection, heating and cooling foods, most vets will, even conventional vets will know that there's something to that. Most conventional vets also have worked enough with their animals in their life um, and, and animals with their clients that they see the condition or the circumstances or the imbalances that are in the person are commonly in the dog. You don't need to really have a lot of you know, Eastern knowledge to see that relationship before your eyes. And I think a lot of vets don't know what to do about that. They don't know how to treat an animal. You know, you can only give so many recommendations and, you know, the various protocols to an animal knowing that if the human is going to have this strong energy around them, there's only so much healing that can come here. So I think I I usually do try to kind of take that approach where it's like, um, you know, it's Sama Dog Wellbeing for Dogs and their Humans. So I try to bring in like the mutual healing aspect and benefit for all, including everyone in the family. Because you've known fan- people who, and I've certainly been those people, who had an extremely nervous, just to stay on that same kind of theme, an extremely nervous dog. It's very hard for anyone in that family to be calm, grounded, efficient, non-irritated by all of that. So, you know, when you kind of bring to them that it's this mind-body environment, personality, behavioral, inclusive philosophy, they're, they're pretty open to it. And I just leave all the labels and the Sanskrit, you know, a lot of 
Ayurveda, of course, being from India, is based in Sanskrit, like yoga and namaste and shavasana and all these words that we know. So I just stay away from the Sanskrit so it doesn't turn people off and instead just speak to what is already known. And like I said before, Ayurveda is like the most logical science. I know at Chopra Center, when I used to teach kind of the Ayurveda 101 kind of class, at the end, people would kind of look, be looking at you like, I don't know if I learned anything. And it's because we already know it. We already know all of this. It's just giving it some categorization and some logic. Right. But we're also working against a world who doesn't want us to remember that. They don't want us to remember nature's medicine and the way things should be. So it's constantly we forget about it because the messages are different from that. And we don't know nature can provide us everything that we need. (laughs) Absolutely. And we're also very used to looking outside. Like, Uh, let me talk to my vet about this situation. And it's like, wait, maybe first talk to yourself. Why do you think your dog's acting like that? Why do you think you're acting like that? What's going on in your family? And it's pretty, one of my favorite parts of doing a consultation with a client is, you know, getting their form, looking at what's going on. I'll ask it a little bit on the form and it doesn't happen every time because it's always about the unique circumstance. That's what Ayurveda is all about is, is individuation. But in that individual opportunity to speak with them, if I sense that the person's open to it, I'll ask, what's going on in your life? What's going on in your family? And oh, the tears come and the breakthroughs come and the stories come. And it's profound to hear what's happening and how they don't know how to, what to do about it and how they definitely don't know what to do about this dog that's being affected by all of it. And it's like, okay, let me bring in some very simple tools that you all can enjoy and you all can benefit from. Like we said, breathing, just simple breathing, taking two minutes to breathe together. I mean, it sounds so simple and almost like trite, but it's, it's not. Changes everything. And there's so much value in having someone like yourself be the person on the outside looking in. I just had this this experience too where, I, and I used to do lots of consultations, but it was the same thing. It was like, what was the trigger? What happened? Was it something in the family? Was it a vaccine? What was the, what was the trigger that started this whole thing? And I feel like a lot of people don't understand that the emotional side of things. I just, you know, met a horse who just got sick all of a sudden I'm trying to figure out what made this horse sick. And for some reason, I knew that it wasn't something that he ate or did. I knew it was emotional, but I didn't know why. And they finally told me, oh, yeah, last month his best friend died. Like, well, guys, that's why he's sick. That's what was started this down, you know, thing. Yes. You know, I immediately felt like, oh, all the answers came to me. And that's, you know the emotional didn't get taken care of. And now he's alone and lost his best friend suddenly. And they were like bonded. And it was crazy to be the outside person to go, well, that's what happened. (laughs) And then go, oh, shit. Wow. We didn't even, they were mourning. They didn't even think about how he was mourning. Yeah. So I think that that is really important. We've gone over time. I, (laughs) I feel like I could talk and ask questions. We didn't even get to, like, what's your favorite Ayurvedic, um, I, your Vedic <laughs> herbs and foods and chakras. So I might just have to have you come on again so that we could talk about all those fun things. But where can people find more information about you? 
Yeah, they definitely can find that on samadog.com. I think a good place to start is by doing the dosha quiz. You know, I always guide people to not take it too seriously. It's not, you know, you don't need to figure every detail out. The, the quiz will give you enough information to get you to some sort of conclusion that will be helpful. And then after you take the quiz, you'll receive a series of emails that gives you information on all three doshas, because that's another thing we didn't really talk much about was the other two, which is totally fine. But just to mention them, they are pitta and kapha, pitta, fiery, kapha, Earthy. So which is your animal? What are they dealing with at this time? And then you'll get all kinds of different mind or body or combination techniques that you can bring in and try out. Really simple. I keep it all really, really simple. Of course, Ayurveda is a pretty, uh, can be a rather complicated science, but that's way down the line. But it does. Like you said, it makes yeah, sense. It makes it's sense. not like something you're going, what? That just doesn't make any sense or it's too complicated. To me, it's just like you said, it's What'd you say? Nature's science. I yep. love that. Nature's science. So yeah, so that that's where, and then I have tons of articles on my um, website as well. Uh, they, you know, speak to different seasons. Like there's a really good fall article on there. It's one of my favorites. It just gives some very specific ways to introduce some various foods, supplements, liquids, you know, into the animal's life and into their body internally and externally that can really help during this dry and light season. So, you know, things like that, just kind of exploring those resources, I think is a great way to start. Awesome. And I have to ask, does Deepak have pets? <laughs> he does not actually. What? I know he, no, he that's travels. That's why he needed you. He travels constantly. But um, so that was always tricky for him. But he was, I have to say, the whole center, Deepak included, was very, very open to me sharing these principles with our audience. That's where it all began, was just like a it. little elective course one day, Ayurveda for Dogs 101. And I was like, all right, let's try it. Let's see if anybody shows up. And boy, did they show up. And that's what started the whole journey. <laughs> Thank you for what you do and for sharing your knowledge with us. It was really enjoyable talking to you. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you to all of your audience. It's been really fun. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please make sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening from. This is the best way to help pet parents like you find these episodes and get access to all our content. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Your Natural Dog and at AngelaArtolino.com. Introducing MycoDog, an award-winning line of medicinal mushroom extracts combined with adaptogens like ashwagandha, astragalus root, and bacopa monieri, made specifically for your pets. When it comes to mushrooms, sourcing really matters. Unlike other products on the market that are grown in China or elsewhere, the mushrooms in MycoDog tinctures are grown here in the United States to the highest quality standards. MycoDog offers three formulas designed to support senior dogs, as well as those suffering from dementia and canine cognitive disorder, breathing and respiratory issues, or autoimmune diseases and cancer. Use coupon code YNDPODCAST at mycodog.com for 10% off these fantastic fungi.